If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one of a kind body conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool to the touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in store or online at Ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Whether thou art a ghost that hath come from the earth, or a phantom of night that hath no home, or one that lieth dead in the desert, or a ghost unburied, or a demon, or a ghoul, whatever thou be until thou art removed, thou shalt find here no water to drink. Thou shalt not stretch forth thy hand to our own. Into our house enter thou not. Through our fence break through thou not. We are protected, though we may be frightened. Our life you may not steal, though we may be scared to death. Welcome to Scared to Death, Creeps and Peepers, and also welcome Roberts and Annabelles. Woo, woo, woo. I'm Dan. Yeah, hi, Dan. I'm Lindsay. Uh, we record these episodes in advance uh, sometimes, and we'll get explained a little bit more about this in a second. Yeah. This was recorded before Patreon has launched, a little ways before, actually. About three weeks. So we're hoping some of you have signed up and are enjoying the ad-free episodes, that this yeah. looks awesome, horror movie uh, review slash movie club. The first bonus episode will be coming before Halloween, and 20% of your uh, support will show up in next month's charity donation. So thank you. Thank you, I hope. Mm -hmm. I hope the live show uh, tickets are also selling well. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know. I hope it's sold out. We hope it's sold out. I hope that we are currently predicting the future. I, I hope we're psychic, so. and we're recording more in advance than usual. I think we've hinted at it before, but never. But but Lindsay's uh, going through some health issues. I'm I'm fine. I'm I mean, you know, I'm not dying yeah. or anything like traumatic like that. But if you've been following me on socials, there's the potential that I may need a very uh, robust hip surgery called a PAO. So I'm currently sitting over here with like a compression belt on, ice, hopped up on some Advil. So this is where we're at. We're just trying to prep for the fact that I might be down for a while. Mm-hmm. So it, it is in the best interest of, you know, regular weekly shows, what we're trying to do. Exactly. If, if, if it ever seems annoying, that's that's why we're doing it. We're Sorry. doing it to, to keep content coming out. Uh, we head to a high school today for one of the stories. So it feels appropriate that we uh, have a new scared to death varsity jacket in the store. I am so into this design. I mean, mm-hmm. I know I love all the designs, but yeah. I'm not like a huge graphic tea wearer, True. right? It's, I that's, mean, I love the style. designs. It's your style. That jacket is on my order list. I'm awesome. so excited. That's at badmagicmerch.com. Uh, be sure to pop in there and check out all all the cool designs, and uh, I have two stories today for you as, as usual. Well, that's great, Dan, because mm-hmm. I also have two stories for you today. Me Four and, stories. Me and my friend Francesca here. You and you and our new b- buddy Francesca. I know. Fran- Francesca might get a nickname like Franny or Freddie or Frankie, <laughs> but she is, if you live near a Fred Meyer, she's all yours. 
Now, we record uh, in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. We don't always say that on the show. And both of today's stories also come from Idaho. Yee. Two Idaho ghost stories today. Are they uh, close? And, uh, now, actually, no. Specifically, both of today's tales come from Pocatello, Idaho. I don't know where that is. It's southeastern Idaho. I'll talk about it a little bit in the first story. Okay, great. Uh, the first involves a young couple and their daughter who moved to Pocatello from Wyoming into what seems to be just about the worst apartment they could have picked. Okay. And then the second story is set in Pocatello High School, oh. uh, the setting of some 2014 uh, security camera footage that reveals what many seem to think is proof of a ghost in the school there. I think we should show that to our son, Kyler, who last night debated that ghosts only exist if you believe that ghosts exist. Yeah, he's very skeptical, which is fine. That's fine. I've, I've got on some fun fuzzies. I can't really. Hold on. I've got a lot of things going on underneath this blanket. <laughs> uh, these are these are an oldie but a goodie. Okay. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Still have good range of motion. That's good. I need a sock puppet. I don't know. I don't know if, I don't know if we need to add that. Right. It's, already, it's already a pretty sock-heavy uh, program. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm ready. I'm scared already. I got my worry stone. All right. You ready to head to Southern Idaho? Take me there. Uh, okay. Our, our first story shares the same setting as our second tale. Yeah, the small southeastern Idaho city of Pocatello. It's about 50,000 people living inside the city limits, about 90,000 in the metro area. A uh, community with a ranching, farming vibe. A community officially established in 1889, but one that had already been around in some capacity for several decades by that date. Uh, Pocatello, just over 10 miles from Fort Hall, built in 1834, originally a fur trading post before becoming a supply point for immigrants headed west along the Oregon Trail. Okay. Pretty famous Oregon Trail stop. Uh, Pocatello went from a very small collection of homes and businesses to a proper town when a gold rush brought prospectors into the area in 1860. And then agriculture... And then the founding of Idaho State University in 1901 helped the town survive and continue to grow once the gold rush was long gone. Uh, no word on when the supposed ghost, uh, ghosts started to show up. Maybe they've haunted the area since the land belonged to the Shoshone and Bannock tribes. Pocatello named after a Shoshone chief, Chief Pocatello. And yes, Shoshone is sometimes pronounced Shoshone for listeners. Uh, uh, but around Pocatello, the general consensus seems to be Shoshone. Maybe the ghosts came with those seeking to make their fortune in gold. I'm sure more than one tormented prospector died in the area after not making their fortune or after suddenly losing it. I'm not sure when the first spooky local stories were told, but there sure doesn't seem to be any shortage of ghost tales around Pocatello now. I found so many doing just a little bit of digging. Interesting. Here's the first of two of my favorites that I picked for today. Time now for a tale called Join Us. In the fall of 2013... Susan, her husband Rodney, and their three-year-old daughter Scarlett moved from Wyoming into an apartment in Pocatello. The apartment, the apartment was actually a house built sometime in the 1920s that had been converted into three apartments several years earlier. Susan and her family moved into the downstairs unit on the right-hand side, and just a few weeks later, she began to witness unexplainable occurrences. At first, they seemed benign and easily explained away. Various objects, maybe a glass of water, or a shirt, or Susan's car keys— would disappear inexplicably, only to later reappear in the exact same position Susan had left them in. Susan kept telling her th herself things like, even though she had definitely looked on the counter where the keys turned up, and several times at that, she must have just somehow not seen them. She must have been in such a hurry and so distracted that she just continually kept looking past the object in plain sight directly in front of her. It wasn't impossible, actually. She had done things like that before. She'd asked where something was, only to have Rodney find it directly in front of her, right where she was looking. 
but she had never had this happen over and over again in such a short span of time and always in the same lo location. It wasn't happening at her new job or out around town. It was only happening at the new apartment. And if some random items disappearing and reappearing was the only weird thing suddenly happening, she wouldn't necessarily jump right into looking at a possible paranormal explanation. But there was also the noises. Strange noises, noises Susan always heard at night. She kept hearing the sounds of children laughing and running oh. in the upstairs apartment. Oof. At first, she assumed that whoever lived above her and Rodney just let their kids stay up late. But then after one particularly active night, she ran into her new neighbor as she was coming home and he was heading out. And she commented that it sounded like he and his kids uh, must have been having a lot of fun last night. And her neighbor just stopped and stared blankly at her, clearly confused, and asked, what are you talking about? Oh, boy. Oh, sorry, Susan said. You and your kids. I was just saying that it sounded like you were having a lot of fun last night. And her neighbor, now looking at her like she was both out of her mind and also very annoying, said, I have no idea what you're talking about, lady. I don't have any kids. And I went to bed early last night. Oh, my gosh. Then when Susan stammered, oh, I, I, uh, I, her neighbor exasperated, loudly exhaled and cut her off. You two? Great. My last neighbor was just as crazy. Oh. <gasps> And then after a brief pause, he said, do me a favor. If you hear anything else, don't tell me. I have six months left on my lease. I haven't heard anything yet, and I don't want to start. And then he dismissively walked away over to his truck and left. Now Susan was freaked out. Did the previous tenant hear the same things she did? Is that what he meant by his other neighbor being crazy? And did he really just call her crazy and refer to her as lady? What an asshole. And then she thought, was she crazy? She started to question herself. Had she for sure heard what she thought she'd heard? Did her neighbor maybe just have the TV on? Or was he lying to her? The next day when Rodney, who'd grown up in Pocatello, was out having a drink with an old childhood buddy, uh, she heard the laughter again. She looked outside and saw that her upstairs neighbor's truck wasn't parked outside. Oh boy. What the hell, he wasn't even home. Still hearing what sounded like children running around and laughter, she decided to investigate. I was afraid of that. Scarlett was asleep in her room, so she carefully walked outside and quietly shut the door and then silently ascended the stairs. When Susan, when Susan made it to the upstairs landing, she paused to listen, and she could still hear it, little footsteps and laughter. She quietly approached the front door, first looking to make sure her neighbor wasn't pulling up. She didn't want her second conversation with her neighbor to be even more uncomfortable and awkward than the first. And she put her ear up against the door. She could hear the giggling more clearly now. Oh, God. It sounded like it was coming from just on the other side of the door. The footsteps had stopped. The laughter abruptly ended, and now she could hear whispering. It sounded like two, maybe three voices. They were whispering so quietly, she strained to hear, trying to make out what they were saying, when suddenly, they're not yours, Susan. You can't have them. Susan involuntarily let out a small scream before quickly covering her mouth. She backed up from the door. She heard the giggling start again. It no longer felt like the innocent laughter of children, and then through the window curtain, she saw shadows of two <gasps> figures move from one side of the room to the other. What? She ran down the stairs so fast she stumbled and almost took a tumble that could have ended very badly on the concrete below. She ran inside her own unit and locked the door before rushing down the hall and checking in on her daughter. When she opened Scarlett's door, she didn't immediately turn on the light because she didn't want to scare her. Mm. As she looked into the room and stared over towards Scarlett's new big girl bed that her daughter was so proud of, she heard more giggling. <gasps> but no. now, not from upstairs. Dear God, it sounded like it was coming from the middle of Scarlett's room. 
Then she saw a child-sized shadow, the size of a kid, maybe five or six years old, run across the room towards her three-year-old. No! Susan yelled as she turned on the light switch. The light did not come on. Oh! Susan ran into the room anyways, yelling, Get away from her! And then she watched the shadow climb up onto Scarlett's bed and proceed to run directly into and then disappear into the wall. No way! Mommy, I was sleeping, Scarlett said as Susan woke her. She rubbed her eyes. Is it morning? It's dark! No, baby, it's not morning, Susan said. I, I, I just thought it would, be, it would be fun to have a slumber party. Just then the lights finally came on. This scared Susan into a startled yell that frightened Scarlett as her mom picked her up. Mommy, that was too loud. You hurt my ear. Scarlett protested as Susan walked with her out of the room, shutting the door behind her, further scaring Susan just as she shut the door, the lights turned back off. Oh, boy. When Rodney would enter the room later, the light switch would still be in the off position. And when he messed around with it, he couldn't find anything wrong. When he flipped the switch up, the lights would come on. And when he flipped it down, the lights would go out, just like they were supposed to. Susan plugged in a nightlight next to her bed, shut the door, and crawled into bed with Scarlett, who, after a quick drink of some milk, was already almost back asleep. Despite feeling terrified, Susan fell asleep with her daughter before Rodney made it home for the night. When her alarm went off for work the next morning, Rodney was sound asleep and cuddled up with Scarlett, so she decided not to wake her husband and daughter. She heard and saw nothing strange as she got ready for her day and grabbed something to eat. And she left without seeing anything unusual either. When she walked out to her car, the hair on the back of her neck did stand up. She felt like someone or something from the unit upstairs was watching her walk away from the building. She worried a little about Rodney and Scarlett, but again, she didn't want to call or text and wake them up. She didn't want to argue with Rodney over the phone. She needed to talk all this out with him face to face. She was worried that Rodney would think she was being crazy. Susan had long had a fascination with the paranormal. This wasn't the first time she thought she'd heard or seen something, although it was by far the most intense. She'd woken up Rodney in the past thinking she'd felt or heard something in the middle of the night, and he never shared in those experiences. And the more times she told him about something that he didn't also witness, something he didn't think was real, the more annoyed he'd become. <laughs> Rodney prided himself on being a very practical person, and he was someone who believed there were perfectly logical explanations for everything. Nope. He was also, she decided, someone who was not going to be meeting any more friends and leaving her alone with Scarlett in their new apartment anytime again soon. Fair. That night when Susan got home, she told Rodney over dinner about everything that had happened. And predictably, he didn't believe there was a paranormal explanation behind any of it. He thought that the upstairs neighbor must have some kids and at least one other adult living with him, the adult behind the voice Susan heard, telling her that she couldn't have them. He thought it was creepy. He didn't know why someone would say that, but he thought someone must have. When Susan asked him why he would lie about who lived with him, Rodney thought it must have something to do with the neighbor's lease. Maybe it was supposed to only be him and the unit, but now he had others staying there. Maybe he'd started dating someone with kids. It wasn't any of their business. When Susan asked Rodney how this person living with him knew her name, since she hadn't introduced herself to their neighbor, Ooh. Rodney guessed that the landlord must have told him who was moving in below him. It all seemed a bit weird, but not unreasonable to Rodney. Susan asked, but what about the shadow I saw? The one I heard in Scarlett's room. And then Rodney again predictably told her that she must have just imagined it. She must have gotten spooked upstairs. She was all worked up and then scared and feeling panicked. She thought she saw something she simply couldn't have seen because there was no way something like that was real. Rodney was so damn rational, he almost convinced her that she really hadn't seen anything. 
but then his opinion changed that very same night. That afternoon was the last afternoon he'd ever be a skeptic when it came to the possibility of spirits. Susan woke up to hear her daughter talking to someone in her room. No, you don't, she heard her daughter protest. I live here. It's my room. And then, no, I don't want to go outside. She quickly shook her husband awake, yelling, Rodney, there's someone in the room with Scarlet. Rodney bolted from a deep sleep to wide awake seemingly instantaneously. He was in Scarlet's room in seconds, flinging the door open before bounding down the hall and quickly popping into his daughter's room where she was sitting up in her bed. And he immediately saw that something was sitting with her. <sighs> the shadowy figure of what seemed to be a small child appeared to be sitting across from Charlotte on the bed, <sighs> excuse me, Scarlet, and when Rodney ran over and grabbed his daughter, the figure didn't disappear or move away. Oh my God. Rodney picked up Scarlet and quickly backed up to the doorway where Susan was now standing. He told her to turn on the hallway light. After Susan turned it on, for a moment, both Rodney and Susan clearly saw what seemed to be the semi-translucent, darkened figure of a young boy sitting next to their daughter. What the fuck? The boy flashed an unnerving grin, waved his hand as if he were just saying hello before the bedroom light popped on and he disappeared. Rodney seemed to be more scared than Susan this time. What the fuck was that? Exactly. Before handing Scarlet to Susan and telling her to get dressed. Susan told him it was the same figure she'd seen the night before. Now, obviously, he believed her. And now he believed her about the voice upstairs, not likely belonging to some secret roommate of their neighbor. While they talked about it all, Susan and Rodney both heard giggling and footsteps coming from the unit above them. Rodney told his wife to take uh, th- their daughter to their parents, his parents' house. Yeah, get the fuck out! After they'd all gotten dressed, still hearing noises coming from above them, they headed out towards Rodney's car. After locking the door, he handed his car keys to Susan, asked her to take Scarlett to the car and get her all buckled in. He said he'd be right with her. No, no. He wanted to go upstairs, and not that it would change what he'd just seen in his daughter's room, he wanted to see if there was any kids up there. He no. wanted, even if it was impossible, to try and figure out what the fuck was going on. Susan asked him to hurry, and she walked to the car as Rodney walked up the stairs. By the time he made it to the landing, he could hear the whispering more clearly. It sounded like multiple voices, at least three. As he approached the door to the unit where all the lights were off, of course they were, it was sometime around three in the morning, he could hear a voice say, we should let him. And then another voice say, no, he'll take you. Oh, God. Hello, said Rodney. I'm Rodney. I I live downstairs. I know it's late, but a voice, it seemed angry, cut him off. We know who you are, Rodney. How do you know my name, Rodney asked. Then as his skin on the the arms broke out into goosebumps, a voice said, come inside. We can all talk about it. And then the doorknob turned. (gasps) The door swung open into an apartment currently only lit by candles. Rodney stood outside the door, his mouth hanging open in shock, frozen in place. The man who lived above them sat in front of some type of altar. Candles and strange carved figures had been placed in front of him, occult-like symbols drawn onto the floor and the walls. Before Rodney could either ask, are you okay, or run down the stairs screaming, his mind was torn between both possibilities. His neighbor's head seemed to twist around unnaturally on his neck to look back at him. As his body remained immobile, his neck swiveled around to the point that it looked like it was about to break and then moved even further. It was both fascinating and horrifying. The man's eyes and mouth were closed, and then his eyes still closed, his mouth opened, and an inhuman voice came from him and asked, Will you join us? Oh my god, no! Diane said the shadows were real and she was right. You can't imagine what other world she can show you. Oh my god! And then what looked like some type of beetle seemed to crawl out of his neighbor's mouth and across his face. An insect he did not react to. 
That was it. That was enough to unfreeze Rodney. He turned, ran down the stairs, hearing the door slam shut as he made it to the ground level. He sprinted to his car, jumped in, and a moment later, he was speeding towards his parents' house. Bless. He and Susan called the landlord the next day, said they'd had an extremely disturbing encounter with their neighbor, and that they would not be staying another night in their apartment, and they wanted out of their lease immediately. And to their surprise, their landlord did not fight them on this one bit. It seemed like he half expected it. Just before they finished talking, Rodney asked him if the name of the previous person to live in their apartment was Diane. He said no, but that he also had heard that the woman who died in the home before it was sold and divided it into apartments was named Diane. Mm -hmm. He didn't know how she died or really any other details. One last thing, Rodney asked him, did you tell our neighbor our names? No, said the landlord. I haven't talked to Matt in months. Rodney and Susan were happy to have broken their lease so easily relieved to know they'd never have to sleep in that unit again, but also they'd really hoped to have gotten more answers than they did. While Susan and Scarlett stayed with Rodney's parents, Rodney and a friend went by the apartment to grab their things the very next day. He couldn't stop thinking about what he'd seen in Matt's apartment, how he'd watched his head twist so unnaturally, the candles, the images, the voices. It felt like he'd had some kind of mental breakdown. He tried to convince himself that's exactly what had happened, but Susan had heard the things as well. If only his daughter, Scarlett, also hadn't seen and heard some things, maybe he could have convinced himself that it was all in his mind. Even though they were moving while it was light out, several different times when his friend would be carrying something outside, Matt swore he heard giggling or whispering or footsteps. Then when they were close to being done, had almost everything hauled out into the moving van they'd rented for the day, Matt parked his truck out in front of the building. If Matt remembered his terrifying encounter with Rodney the night before, he sure didn't let on as he walked up the sidewalk towards the building. He walked right past Rodney in front of the stairway without acknowledging him like they'd never met and he started to head upstairs and then just a few stairs up he stopped and when Matt or uh, Rodney was alone without his friend nearby this guy Matt turned looked directly at him he looked like a totally different person if questioned on how exactly he looked different Rodney would have not been able to articulate any kind of meaningful answer but he suddenly wasn't the same guy who had just walked to the stairs past Rodney and he said Diane says you're always welcome, Matt. There are so many other worlds she can show you. And then instantly, the normal human-looking Matt was back. He again acted like he and Rodney had never met. He walked up to his apartment and calmly shut the door. An hour later, after no further incidents, Rodney would be pushing his key under the door, walking away from a now-empty apartment. Rodney and Susan ended their account of paranormal terror by writing that they never returned to that apartment, never saw Matt again, and have never encountered anything unusual since that story literally made me cry (laughs) i was so scared yeek oh my god yeah that was a very very uh intense one and uh so vivid so just like so many specific details that really i'm I don't even necessarily know that like the little kid, sorry, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm stuck on this because recently I got an email from someone that said, um, sometimes their, their theory and theories of other people are that oftentimes little kids are used to lure oh. people in because they seem innocent Less threatening. and unassuming. And so that the thought of little boy spirit talking to Scarlett, just like, you know, trying to like, be my friend, play with me. They were trying to get Scarlett to go up. And then when you said that, you know, Rodney went up there and then the door opened, it's right. just, it's like, yeah, you, you, you're you trying to lure them in with something innocent. Right, right. Ooh. And obviously like, you know, like for, for new like listeners, yeah. uh, 
it's not it's not like we can fact check these stories. This is some random person we don't know, like they're you know semi anonymous, no last names, you know, like account. But if this did, ha- if this <laughs> happened to me, I've said this probably a million times now on the show. But I, but I just always think it. I'm like, if I experience this, I mean, I would be so forever changed. Well, I would be. I'm all. I would be a wreck. I'm already medicated. Wreck. I would yeah. need more medication. You know what oh, I'm saying? Oh man, like, this because the way that my brain is. Yeah. I just like. Uh, yeah, this story. Every time we do the show, the stories. That night, I'm always like lying in bed, and I think I'm okay until I'm absolutely not okay, right. and it just starts like playing through my mind. And then I have a very active imagination in that way, and then it'll just kind of spiral, and then I have a nightmare, and it's awful. Yeah, and you know, I'm sleeping with like my phone flashlight on and my you know Himalayan salt lamp on, and like <laughs> right, I, right. I've got all the protection you could possibly <laughs> hope for, but like my you can't stop your imagination. Yeah, and and I, and I joke around about like wanting to see something, and I do. You know, I want to have, I want to have, a, like, I had my little tiny, you know, uh, rainbow room bathroom faucet, like, light experience of something I couldn't explain. I would like to see something much more intense than that, but not this intense. I don't think that you get to decide what you're shown. I know. And how. Just, I, in, a, in a perfect world. Stop being a control freak. <laughs> uh, no pictures came with this story. I Googled demonic neighbor to see okay. what would come up. And I did What'd find, I found this picture. Pretty creepy. Yeah. Uh, it's actually... Uh, That's from a movie. What movie is that It from? is. It's a still from a horror movie called Wretched. It's a 2020 release. So I don't, th- I don't think you've seen it. Huh. I haven't. Uh, it seems to be very well rated, though, especially for a horror movie. So I might have to check this out. I might okay. have to check out Wretched. And that picture, uh, pretty badass, led me to this next one in the same <laughs> in the same Google search. Oh, dang. Isn't that creepy? It's another still from a horror movie, in a 2019 movie called Isabel. Not well rated. Yeah. But I watched the trailer and I was like, I don't know. Looks good to me. <laughs> well, these are some potential. Mm-hmm. This looks awesome. Uh, reviews. That image of like uh. someone crawling up. I mean, I don't want to start playing jokes on you because I know that they'll get turned back around on me. But it is so hard for me to not oh now God. order some red contacts and wake you up like that. Like, what if I came <sighs> over to your side of the bed and just like tapped your, I mean, you know how little kids tap you until you wake up, mm-hmm. like if they're sick or whatever. It's mm-hmm. like, what if I just like tap, 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 do, and then you shot up and then I was like that. Two reasons I won't do it. A, yes, turned around on me and B slash two, there's the potential you might just actually fucking punch me in the face. <laughs> if just, it was you though, I wouldn't, but I was But think- you wouldn't know it's me. Like think about right. it, you're asleep and then you're <clears throat> Yeah, just a reflex. Sure. Well, I was thinking just to up the ante on a prank that would affect be directed to me. Yes. Uh, but like <laughs> how terrifying it would be if you got somebody else, somebody I'd never seen. So it's oh. a person I didn't recognize with like long black hair like that. And so there's a stranger with red eyes but then there, again, in my room. And there's a possibility that I would attack them. Somebody's going to get hurt. I so, mean, no. But, but Also, we sleep with guns in our room. I mean, I know they're <laughs> under lock and key, but like. Right. But the, the terror, I might have a legitimately have a heart attack. If, if something like that happens. And you already have, like, you know, a weak heart, so. I, have a, I don't have a weak heart. <laughs> <laughs> I just know you're a little bit of a hypochondriac, so I like to plant those seeds oh sometimes God. to watch you spiral. Oh. Also, like, early in the beginning of the story, talking about losing things or misplacing things and then finding them in plain sight, mm-hmm. that 
that sat with me in a way uh-huh. because that happens to me all of the time. I mean, and I think, honestly, I think it happens to all of us. You know, you're yeah. like, you set your phone down, you set your keys down. It's the things that we use day in and day out. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, your glasses are on your head. And you're like, where are my glasses? You know, <laughs> right, just like yeah. a moron in moments. But I've done that with hats so many times in my life. I'm like, does anyone see my hat? And they're oh, like the one in your head. Oh, yeah. My favorite is when you can't find your sunglasses and they're on top of your hat on top of your head. Yeah, I've run, I've, I've run back into restaurants looking for sunglasses like, that I know I left on my table and they're on top of my hat. I know. So good. I am really proud of Rodney. I think this is the first time mm. that we've had a man, because mm. usually it's the woman pushing to like, we got to go, we got to go, we got to get out of here. Rodney did not fuck around. No, when Rodney saw something, he was like, within minutes, they were getting the fuck out. Yeah, yeah. They did have the benefit of having his parents live nearby, which I know a lot of people don't have in these situations. Sure. If they hadn't have had that, yeek. Yeah, I mean, who knows they what they're finding. They could have been finan- really yeah. shit out of luck. Yeah, well, because you don't know like their financial situation and- yeah. I mean, yeah, really. But I was, Rodney might be the counterpart to Darren. Okay. Rodney might be like, yeah, Rodney. Yeah, Rodney. Maybe, maybe. Just someone who's just quick to get the fuck out? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I would prefer if it was a female, though, you know. <sighs> okay, I have more Idaho horror for you. Well, that is when you're so ready to hear it. great, Dan. Another really terrifying story. Another very intense personal account. Man, I hope you're prepared to stay up all night tonight. <laughs> Before we head to Pocatello for round two, time for a quick in-between story sponsor break. Thanks for taking advantage of these sponsored deals using our codes and landing pages so you save money. We keep getting sponsored. What is the most basic gift you have ever given the moms in your life for Mother's Day? Flowers? A candle? Some random knickknack you picked up at the last minute because you completely spaced Mother's Day? I have definitely made the mistake of procrastinating gifts for Mother's Day. And then, like the Friday before, I run to whatever store is open and convince myself that, yes, yes, my mom does need another coffee mug that declares she's the world's best. So lame. This year, how about one-upping yourself by giving the moms in your life an Aura picture frame? Named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter, Aura frames are guaranteed to bring joy to any mom at any age. Aura Frames connect easily to Wi-Fi and have unlimited storage so you can share as many pictures as you want. This year, as many of you know, I am on a spending freeze, but one of my carve-outs was meaningful gifts for the people I love. I don't want to give all of the moms in our lives something that won't bring them joy. We are giving Aura Frames to the moms in our world because they are timeless, heartwarming gifts. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com. Use code SCARED at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What are the things that weigh you down on a day-to-day basis? What kind of stress are you holding on to? Do you spend much of your day going over things in your brain over and over until they are so distracting it affects your mental health? Well, don't worry. You're not alone. We all carry different stressors, some big, some small. When we keep things bottled up, the results can be negative. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest without fear or judgment. It's a place to work through what is heavy on your mind and heart so that you can feel lighter and happier. I'm always holding on to something. It's the way my anxious brain works. I'm continually worried that I've done something wrong, that I've hurt the feelings of someone I love, and that I have let someone down. I'm stressed that I'm not being a good enough mom or wife. I panic that our life will implode at any given moment and it'll all be my fault. Thankfully, I have an amazing therapist who helps me talk through each of these scenarios. After each and every appointment, I feel lighter, happier, and more capable of showing up as my most authentic self. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash scared to death today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, 
H-E-L-P dot com slash scared to death. Summer is just around the corner. Who's excited? I know I am. With the warmer, sunnier days calling your name, the last place you're going to want to be is in your kitchen, cooking and meal prepping. Make your life easier with Factors No Prep, No Mess Meals. Factors Never Frozen, Always Fresh Meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. Think of all the extra time you will get outside in the summer sun when you aren't wasting hours in the kitchen. I think I speak for everyone when I say that the summer is the busiest time of the year. We are all trying to cram in as many things as possible, from concerts to vacations and everything in between. With Kyler home from college and Monroe on her break too, I want to spend as much time as possible with them. And while I truly love to cook, the summer is the one time of year that I'm the least interested in doing that for three meals a day. So I lean on Factor to help keep me healthy and in step with my diet. I'm obsessed with the honey yogurt pancakes for breakfast, the pork El Pastor for lunch, and the cilantro lime barramundi for dinner. So easy and saves me so much time. Head to factormeals.com slash scaredtodeath50 and use code scaredtodeath50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code scaredtodeath50 at factormeals.com slash scaredtodeath50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Now we're back for more Storytime Creeps and Peepers. This next story is set in the same building where a possible paranormal sighting put Pocatello on the ghost hunting map recently. Wait, it's in the same building as the previous story? No, no. It's in the same. The, the next personal account is going to be set in the same building as this thing that happened in 2014, which I'll also explain. Okay. So there's like two things in this next story. And they're both in the same building. It's both in the same Got building it. in this high school. Was anyone else confused? I was confused. Yeah, maybe it's confusing wording I use there, probably. Uh, Pocatello High School, the city's oldest high school, founded in 1892, was featured on a 2019 episode of Ghost Hunters. Oh, okay. Why? Because in 2014, security footage from Pocatello High School, known locally as Pokey, <laughs> uh, went viral. I'll show you this footage after I finish telling uh, this story. Maybe, so, maybe so I won't we'll look watch. look at the footage. It's pretty, pretty interesting. Uh, the footage was taken during the school's winter break when no one was in the building, at least not anyone alive, and the security camera picks up what looks like a mysterious shadowy figure walking in and out of the bathroom fairly distinctly and then down the hallway. Meanwhile, the hallway's lights flicker on and off. Uh, the figure's definitely not a person but moves like a person. The footage caused a lot of excitement amongst ghost hunters and a few different news stations even picked up and ran the story. The video has been posted, reposted, analyzed many times after several years. It seems like the majority of people who watch it come away thinking they may have just witnessed proof of the paranormal. Really? Mm-hmm. Uh, for some who either went to or worked at Pocatello High School, uh, they didn't need video evidence. They believed that the school had been haunted for years prior to this viral video. People have been reporting toilets randomly flushing, doors mysteriously closing, uh, either seeing or feeling the presence of an apparition for decades. Some even think they know this apparition's origin story. They believe that the school's ghost is the spirit of a girl who killed herself in the school sometime between 1930 and 1950, according to local lore. The girl made a suicide pact with her friend and the next day hanged herself from her locker. However, her friend did not go through with it. And now the angry spirit of the girl who either was tricked or felt tricked haunts the grounds where she tragically died. Dang. Some say they can still sometimes smell the strong scent of the girl's favorite perfume lingering in the air. Others have reported seeing her wandering in the hallways. And there may be other ghosts. Six confirmed deaths have taken place inside the school since it opened almost 130 years ago. What the heck? Uh, One of the deaths was that of a young boy who drowned in the pool, a pool that was taken out following his death. Some think they've seen his restless spirit as well. 
and an anonymous ghost story poster who claims that they worked briefly as a coast as a coast ah, as a custodian. Good job, Dan. <laughs> at the school in the early '80s, claims that they witnessed another apparition, something much more intense than the footage caught on that security camera video in 2014. Yikes! That's like yesterday. Mm -hmm. The woman who tells the story, who I'll refer to as Lucy, still wonders why more haven't seen what she herself saw early one evening. Time now for the tale of a poltergeist in Pocatello High. Lucy was doing some deep cleaning over winter break, a time of year when the sun already goes down by around 5 o'clock. And around 6 p.m. when she was scraping gum off from under a desk, she heard a crash come from what she assumed at first was a nearby bathroom. As she walked towards the bathroom, she heard more crashing sounds. Sounds that were not coming from the bathroom, they seemed to be coming from the band room. She heard what sounded like a metal chair falling over. Hello? Lucy called out. She was supposed to be the only one in the building. Hello? Anyone in there? She called out again as she walked towards the band room. Then she heard what sounded like another chair falling over. Who's there? Leave right now and you won't get in any trouble, Lucy yelled. Damn kid, she muttered, shaking her head. This was the fourth school Lucy had worked at in some capacity over the past 30 years. And each year, reconfirmed that she'd uh, made a good decision when she decided not to have kids. <laughs> As she liked to tell her friends, every teenager should have to work at a school for at least a few months. It's the best birth control there is. Fair. All right, you've been warned, announced Lucy as she opened the door to the band room and quickly turned on the lights. A ghost encounter, still the furthest thing from Lucy's mind. This wouldn't be the first time she'd caught some kid or kids who'd snuck into school, uh, you know, to take something or break something or make out. She even once caught two kids having sex in a locker room. And she still assumed she'd find the kid who had just knocked over some chairs. All right, fun's over, she said as she entered the band room. She scanned the room, couldn't see anyone. But she did see three chairs and a few music stands in the back of the room laying over on their sides. I'd leave now if I were you. The longer you keep hiding, the more tempted I'm going to be to tell the principal. Still nothing. She was surprised, but still not scared. Usually they came out by now from their hiding places, or at least took off running. Oh well, she thought, probably just a kid a little more afraid of getting in trouble than most, and she made her way to the back of the room. After she'd flipped a few chairs back up and had picked up some music stands, the lights turned off. Oh boy. Hey! Lucy yelled. You are really trying my patience, kid. I tried to be nice, but now I guess I'm going to have to not only tell the principal, I might just have to call the police. And then, wham! <gasps> Lucy heard a loud crash. It sounded like a chair had not just been knocked over, but thrown clear across the room. Yeah. Wham! Wham! Smash! More chairs being thrown. One of them sounded like it smashed into one of the drum kit cymbals. That's it, yelled Lucy. Now I'm certainly calling the police. I hope it was worth it. Now Lucy was definitely a little bit scared. What if this stupid kid accidentally hurt her? Bam! Lucy spun around towards the sound of a chair, suddenly slamming into the ground right behind her, no more than eight feet away. Yeah. Then the lights flickered on and she could see a girl in a white dress with long braided black hair standing near a tipped over chair. Lucy did not like the way this girl stared at her. She didn't like anything about this girl. She looked angry. Also, she looked like she was dressed up for a play or something. Her dress looked like it had come from the 40s or 50s. Then the lights flickered back off and she could hear one, two, then three more chairs being tossed around the room. Damn it, that's quite enough, young lady, Lucy yelled. Now she was really scared. She really did not like this girl one bit. Do you have any idea how much trouble you're going to be in once? She trailed off as the lights flickered back on. The girl was no longer standing where she'd seen her no more than five seconds before. She spun around and saw her standing over by the door. The lights again flickered off and then BAM! 
White-hot pain shot up from Lucy's leg. A chair had just smashed into her shin. That's enough, Lucy yelled, her voice now trembling, as the lights flickered back on. I don't know what the hell you think, she started to say before realizing that she didn't know where the girl was. She wasn't by the door anymore. She spun around again, and then she screamed when she saw the girl standing just a few feet away behind her, staring at her with a murderous rage in her eyes. <sighs> no one could move that fast, she thought, and no one could be that quiet when they moved. She hadn't heard her run. She never heard her move, in fact. Get away from me! Leave me alone! Lucy stammered as she backed away towards the door. The girl's face contorted into a silent scream, and a chair in front of her floated on its own into the air, then shot across the room, missing Lucy's head by inches. The lights flickered back off for less than a second, then flickered back on. The strange girl was by the door again, a good 40 feet away, easy. Stop it, screamed Lucy. Leave me alone, she begged. She was trapped in a room, not with a kid, but with a spirit, an angry ghost. The lights flickered back off. Lucy ducked down and covered her head. A chair crashed down a few feet to her left. The lights flickered back on, and when she couldn't see the girl by the door, she ran towards it. Shortly before making it to the door, a chair hit her in the back. It sent her tumbling to the ground in front of the door. When she stood back up, she could feel blood running out of her nose. Oh, no. Down over her mouth, down her chin, dripping down onto the floor. She grabbed the door handle, had to use all her strength to turn it and open it. Took everything she had. It felt like someone else was holding it shut on the other side. Finally, she pushed it open and ran out. She ran down the hall, then outside the building and straight to her car. She hopped in and drove home and called the principal. He agreed to meet her back at the school in 30 minutes and get to the bottom of whatever the hell went on. She was afraid to go, but she wanted someone else, anyone else, to see what she'd seen. Lucy cleaned up her nose, changed her shirt that now had blood on it, drove back shaking to the school. She met the principal out in front of the main entrance, told him that she saw something. She didn't want to say exactly what. He wouldn't believe it until he saw it himself. The principal went in ahead of her into the band room and turned on the lights. And to Lucy's astonishment, everything was in its place. No. Not a chair was overturned. All the music stands were upright. She looked down on the floor in front of the door. No spots of blood. She started, Dang it. To, she started to think she'd gone crazy, and then when the principal turned to face her and started to ask her what exactly she was so upset about, she screamed. The ghost of the girl was standing directly behind the principal, oh, staring God. at her over his shoulder, her brow furrowed, her eyes squinted into slits, glaring her face full of hate. Lucy turned and ran, still screaming down the hall and soon out of the building. Living alone, she turned on all the lights in her apartment, locked herself in the bedroom with her cat and small dog. She unplugged her phone in case the principal called. She called the school the next day, left a message on the answer machine saying she quit. She'd never returned to the school, and she's wondered ever since who was that girl, and also why her. She's never heard of anyone having a similar experience there. She knows people have heard toilets flush on their own, doors open and shut, people who've seen shadowy apparitions, and that some sort of ghost may have been captured on video, but none of that seems like the violent and malicious entity she believes she witnessed that night. She knows that some questions are best left unanswered, but she desperately still wants to know what happened that strange winter's night at Pocatello High School. I don't, I, no. <laughs> I... So where, where is Pocatello? It's, uh, it's southeastern Idaho, not too far from Idaho Falls. Mm-hmm. Not too far from Yellowstone. Where, I don't want to go there, just to be clear. <laughs> I don't. I don't think I like it there. It's where it's where uh, my dad and Jerry. Uh, they live not too far from there. Like we, I think like an hour away. Oh, I thought you were gonna say that's where they went to high school. No, that would have been a oh. whole other situation. <laughs> Here's a picture. It's a beautiful old building. It was like the. Uh, oh wow! It the, is. 
pride of the town uh, early. Really yeah. big. Yeah, early in the 20th century on some uh, political campaigns, two U.S. presidents stopped and gave speeches there. Which ones? Uh, I don't recall, actually. I just remember <laughs> hearing two. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, really, here's a more recent picture of Pocatello High School. It's, uh, yeah, it's a really cool old building. It is humongous. It's huge. It's huge. I wonder yeah. how many kids go there. Uh, if I remember correctly, around 1,100, 1,200. Okay, that's like the size of my high school. Yeah, there's a few other high schools that have been built since in Pocatello. And apparently, from what I kind of read in some articles, the newer ones are the nicer, more modern ones. Sure. And this is kind of like, uh, not dilapidated, oh. but it's like, uh, uh, not the cool not the cool school. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, and then this next thing. Okay, so this is that footage. Oh boy! So this is 2014 Christmas break video mm-hmm. footage from a security camera. We're gonna watch here in a second. It'll go through at normal speed, and then it'll go uh, two times more. We can watch this little um, section of this apparition being recorded or something being recorded uh, at half speed. Okay. So yeah, so December 19th, 2014. It says on the video. And then security camera footage. There's all the different cameras in the building. That's weird how they're all flashing on like that. Mm-hmm. Like what the, yeah, is going on? Yep. There were some lights flashing on and off, which also supposedly not supposed to be happening at the time well, this would, thing was seen. Right. Well, why would that happen? Right. And then the center um, video here, the camera will zoom in on it. I'm going to try not to scream into the microphone. And you will see, I don't know, something come in and out of this door. Okay. Now it's zoomed in. See? Something just walked out. And then right back in. Now it's kind of oh. loitered around out. And then it'll walk back in. And then the lights flicker. And then now we will watch it at half speed. Something comes out. And in. And it's kind out. of hanging around the doorway. Then it comes out further. Is that the band room? Don't know what room that is. But isn't that weird? It is weird. I mean, it's a, it's a it's a odd little could be some kind of glitch, I guess. You know, if you want to be skeptical, but uh, but also it's I like I don't think so. It's human ish size looking compared to the door frame, you know. Yeah, and and, 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 the, the, and the way it moves it. Yeah. is like somebody walking. It's odd. Do you remember way back when? I mean, I don't even know what episode it was. We had. Uh, security camera yes. footage. Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, and it it has that similar. This a similar look like mm-hmm. not it's not like I'm trying to say all ghosts look the same or what have you but it has that same vibe so you could you could go skeptic and say that is a common occurrence with security footage and it's a glitch right. because some, of the way some artifact from previous footage maybe I'm not sure how they digitally record those things now right so it's just like not the, VHS tapes anymore right like the feed is not good or <laughs> yeah. the internet's cutting out or like whatever like right. that is a common glitch with security systems right just like we have yeah. common glitches with our iPhones or what have yeah. you right so you could go that way or you could go the other way and it's like or that's just how it looks mm-hmm. that is what a spirit hanging around looks yeah. like yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And so, a lot of people feel that that is actual proof. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you look in the comment sections of the videos. Of course, there's going to be people who naysay it. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm not surprised by that at all. But it, it, like the thumbs up, the kind of thumbs down, the general consensus of comments. I mean, it, it's it, it's interesting to watch a couple like local news stations run it. Yeah, and you know, you can tell that they're like, I don't know what that is. Right. Like right. They, they're kind of smiling and uh, like, <laughs> laughing a little bit, but also a little bit uncomfortable. I thought. Yeah. And also, I thought it was, I don't know about uh, deaths per capita in schools, Mm -hmm. but six people dying in that school feels high. It does feel high to me. And and that was from, uh, I think it's Your Paranormal 
state.com. It's, it's something like that. I remember reading that article and, 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 and I will say full disclosure, they didn't provide like documentation. This is just according to this one source. Sure. But I, I didn't bump on it too hard. just because I thought like it's been around since, um, I can look back in the notes, but I think 1892 is what I said. Yeah. I mean, yeah. 1892. I mean, that, that's a long time early. I mean, who knows what kind of accidents it could, and it could have been like That's a heart true. attack. It could have been, you know, people do die young sometimes. People yeah. died young a lot more often well, in the al- 1890s. Also, I don't feel like you said it was six students. I think you just said six deaths. Well, that's true. So it, it, could it, be it, like, it did read you know, six confirmed deaths, so it could be faculty. Like, right, right. I mean, it's not entirely reliant mm-hmm. on the student body. True, true. But I'm, I'm just thinking about my high school. Yeah. So new listeners, people who have missed this. I grew up in the suburbs of Cleveland and I went to two different high schools. I started at Padua and then I went to Holy Name and both of them have been around for a reasonable amount of time. I mean, I don't actually know like the founding date, Uh, both, you know, like big schools. So a lot of people and I never heard supposed hauntings at the schools. I never Mm. heard about deaths in the school, but now I'm super fascinated and I want to look up my high schools. There was a lot of comments because of the video uh, from people claiming to either be students there or have been students there yeah. who said, you know, things to the effect of like, oh, yeah, it's way haunted. Interesting. Oh, of course. You know, those kind of things. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, it was founded so long ago that mm-hmm. it feels probable as opposed to, you know, like a brand new school in Pocatello. You're not going to think right. a school built in the last decade is yeah. haunted. And it could be influenced by the way the building looks. So I do always think about that mm-hmm. where, I mean, architecturally, it does remind me of like um, 19th century uh Gothic. Psychiatric asylums. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. These Kirkbride asylums, they would call them. Yeah. Uh, it has a similar, like the the face of the building has a similar look to me. And that is sure. like the classic. Like haunted if you're, house. Yeah, if you're set in like a movie or something in a mm-hmm, haunted building, mm-hmm. that would be an ideal location. Okay, well, are you ready for some more spoopiness? Yeah. Are you ready to have the spoop thrown at you? <laughs> I am. <laughs> uh, before we get started, I wanted to say, did you notice I have a new blanket today? I did. This, and you, and you, yeah, okay. Okay, this blanket was handmade and sent to me. That's which, all I was going to say. Yeah. Which, which I think is fascinating of in itself because I tried to learn. Um, is that quilting? No, crocheting. Oh. Like the sticks, mm-hmm. you know? Uh-huh. And that's exactly how you do it. You, you do a little stick work. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to learn how to do uh, crochet. I did it once for about 10 minutes. And then you, you have to, like anything, keep doing it. And I never mm-hmm. did. So that's it. So I just wanted to thank Cam Kovarek. I think that's how you say the last name. But Cam, thanks for my blanket. I love it. And it's really, like, heavy. It's oh, a really it's super nice. lovely, cozy little blankie. A, so lot of, a lot of the shirts I wear on the show, like this one, are, um, I crocheted. I oh, made this. You did? Mm-hmm. I do like a fine cotton thread crochet thing that it, when you're not around. Oh, and I do it fast. What size needles do you use? Like threes and fours. Mm. Who taught you how to do that? My mom. She did? Mm-hmm. Wow. Can your mom crochet me something? Yeah. She can make um, hats, jackets, um, tents. Tents? Mm-hmm. Like the tent we went camping in? Yeah. That, my mom crocheted that. Wow. Mm-hmm. She, can, she knows how to crochet with nylon? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Nylon, silk, uh, polyurethane. <laughs> <laughs> polyester polyester that too close close polyurethane's mm-hmm. a liquid she was well, yeah you weren't there she crochets <laughs> liquid <laughs> sure she does sure she does um okay so our first story takes us to canada uh, where we have a, a fan writing to us from there and you know this story i felt like we hadn't had something kind of in this vein for a while uh it's about lucid dreaming oh yeah which mm-hmm. i think is really really interesting and 
this story, I don't know. It's it doesn't necessarily feel like maybe there was any like harm meant, but it's it's very odd. It's very very peculiar in my opinion. So, here we go. Our friend from Canada writes, "In my teens, I distinctly recall having vivid reoccurring lucid dreams that I was never really sure weren't actually real or just dreams." Some were relatively benign, like the one I remember having where I awoke in my bed surrounded by people dressed in evening wear from about the early 1900s, milling about, chatting with one another. While acknowledging my presence in my bed and even greeting me and exchanging other pleasantries, never really did anything else, though. Dreams like this happened with a regular occurrence, and when they did, I always seemed to remember to look at my alarm clock, located on my nightstand beside my bed, and the time always read 2.34. I never thought much of these dreams. Being young, I was fascinated by stories of the strange, dark, and unusual, much as I am now, and was always excited to write my dreams down when I woke up the next morning. All of that ended, however, after one peculiar experience. I would have been about 15 or 16 at the time. I was a normal teen, a a typical high schooler who played sports, smoked a little weed with friends at parties, and worked a shitty part-time job at Dairy Queen. One night, or early morning, depending on how you see it, I was sleeping in my bed in my parents' house. As had happened when I had lucid dreams before, I suddenly found myself lying in bed with my eyes wide open, staring at my alarm clock beside me. The time, as always, read 2.34. Now... Each night when I went to sleep, I always made sure that my bedroom door remained open, leaving a thin gap between the door and the door frame, and this night was no different. While looking at my clock, I began to realize that I wasn't alone in my room, as had happened in previous lucid dreams. I looked around my dark bedroom, but found that I was actually alone. There was no familiar-looking images of people that I was used to seeing standing around my bed. But what I did notice, however was that my bedroom door was now closed. Although I was living at home with my parents and their bedroom was just down the hallway from mine, they never closed my door when they went to bed. I typically went to bed before they did. Our family pet, a cat, often snuck into my room during the night to sleep at the foot of my bed. My cat, however, was nowhere to be seen in the room. It was at this point that I heard the knocking at my door. There was nothing terrifying or evil or even threatening about the knocking, It was soft, steady, and it came in a set of three knocks at a time. By the third set of three, I got out of bed and walked over to my door and opened it. In the dark hallway that extended towards my parents' room stood a woman I'd never seen before. She was small. At the time, I stood about 6'2", so I guess describing her as small (laughs) is relative. But if I were to guess, I suppose she was somewhere in the five-foot range. While I can't recall what her face looked like, she was facing me but somehow still didn't seem to have a face. She had a dark, short-cut hair, almost in a pixie cut, and she wore a flowing white gown that seemed to glow amid the darkness of the hallway. I felt immediate I felt immediately at ease by her presence as I stood in front of her. She extended a small, thin hand towards me and said in a calm, warm voice, "It's time to go." I didn't reply, but I reached out and took her hand. While I could feel her hand in mine, I felt no warmth nor nor no cold from it. It was like the feeling you get when standing on a leg that has fallen asleep. You know it's there even though you can't actually feel it, like a phantom limb might feel this way. We walked together 
down the dark hallway towards my parents' room, which was only about 10 feet from my room. As we walked, I kept glancing down to look at her face, but never once saw any facial features. I also noticed that I couldn't see her feet. I didn't think much of it as the hallway was dark, and I assumed her dress was just covering her feet as she walked, although I couldn't see the dress trailing behind her on the floor either. It just kind of disappeared. Despite the close proximity of my parents' bedroom to mine, we never seemed to get any closer to it. Instead, we just kept walking, never really going anywhere. Finally, after what seemed to be several minutes of walking and holding onto this strange, faceless woman's hand, she loosened her grip and drifted ahead of me, never looking back. I had stopped walking, but she continued on. Then I heard her again. It's time to go, she said. As she faded into the darkness, without a second thought, I turned around, walked back to my bedroom, laid back down in my bed, facing the wall. I rolled over to find a more comfortable position, glanced at my alarm clock. The red LCD number showed 2.50. Apparently, I'd been out of my bed for about 15 minutes. I don't know where the time had gone. As far as I know, I never left the hallway between my bedroom and my parents' bedroom. I never saw that strange woman again. And I never woke up at 2.34 a.m. again either. I have no idea what the words, it's time to go, were supposed to mean. I am now 40 years old and have not experienced lucid dreams in the same way I had when I was a kid. However, I have begun to hear my daughter speaking in her sleep, getting up and out of bed in the middle of the night, sounding like she's playing with someone in her bedroom. She is an only child. I'm a big fan of your podcast and the YouTube channel, often listening to the same story through both formats. Keep up the great work. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, thank you. Isn't that bizarre? And yeah, and just I just yeah, just crazy. Man, those dreams. I, I I haven't had those since I was a kid either. I don't think that is such a weird thing. Those extremely lucid dreams. I had a few of them as a kid. You did like about what? You know, it, it, it's a weird thing. Mine were more. There's like more like a feeling. Like the one that was the scariest was there was some, but it was definitely from like influenced by a movie I'd seen. I'd sure. seen some Stephen King movie. I think it was called Cat's Eye. It's kind of like a lesser known, like a collection of like three different tail little vignettes. Okay. And one of them had this creepy little, I don't know, like goblin-y thing, but like a tiny little creature, like mm-hmm. the size of like a, a He-Man doll or something. Okay. And, uh, and, and, I, and I remember in the dream, in, in this apartment we lived in in Anchorage, Alaska at the time, I'm laying on the floor, face down, kind of face off to the side, f- directly looking at this mirror we had at the um, end of the hallway. Yeah. And then that little thing shows up in the mirror. I know it's not near me in real life. It's like in just in the mirror. And then it walks out of the mirror into the hallway and it just keeps walking towards me down the hallway and I can't get up and run away. Yikes. That's the dream? Mm-hmm. That was terrifying. Like it just left me with – but it left me like – like, if I saw that scene in a movie, I'm like, oh, that's scary, but it wouldn't be, like, the most scary thing. But the yeah. feeling it left me with was, like, mm-hmm. real heavy and intense. Yeah. And, and then the other series of lucid dreams I had was, you know, that, that clown story, which I think I've told before. Oh, yeah. But, like, you know, that gave me a series of them that were, like, really realistic feeling. Interesting. And never had them as an adult. I had the same lucid dream my entire childhood and really into my early to mid-20s. And every once in a blue moon in my 30s, it's popped up. I would say like once every few years. It's such a stupid dream. And it actually doesn't even sound that scary. But 
like you said, the feeling afterwards. Right. So it's like we grew up in this house, this blue rancher on a basement, and the dream is always the same. An elephant shows up at our back door. <laughs> I know it sounds so weird, but it's like a, a menacing elephant. It's not like weird. a sweet. And there's always like something riding on its back, and the elephant stampedes the house and kills everyone. That is so random. It, I know, and it's so uber specific, but like I'm either... It's been so long since I had it. I can't remember. Like, I'm either, like, running from it or, and it's chasing me or I'm on it. Like, maybe I'm the thing on it. Like, Is that very blatant symbolism? Are you running from the elephant in the room? Like, like you know. Right. Well, I often wonder that, right? Because yeah. for a while, I was having dreams about turtles that was so bizarre <sighs> as an adult. Weird. Yeah. And, like, uh, one of my girlfriend's looked up like what's the meaning of having dreams about turtles and i think it's something about like not wanting to face some huh. some reality um hmm. but yeah i mean i had that dream so often as a kid and i would wake up and i would be so concerned that my family was going to be gone so i don't know wow yeah i wonder if i really thought about it maybe it started around the time my parents got divorced maybe mm -hmm. it was some weird subconscious thing we had a lot of death in our family when i was mm -hmm. young so mm -hmm. maybe it was just all part of that but why i still have it occasionally now is beyond me it's terrible. I, I think th this guy's dream was more horror movie than either of our lucid dreams. For sure. And he doesn't even know, like, was he dreaming? Was he awake? Right. They're playing with, like, yeah, that was I really out of bed? Mm -hmm, that 15, 16 minutes mm -hmm. between, what, 234 and 250? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, so now there our next story, uh, also in sort of the dream world, okay. I would say it's, like, one part sleep paralysis, one part possible haunting. But the even bigger question for me from this story that I want you to sort of keep in mind as we okay. go through this is, can something that finds you during sleep paralysis then be a part of your world when you're no longer sleeping? Can it, uh, can it come in? Can mm -hmm, it transfer? Mm -hmm. Okay, here we go. Hey, Dan and Lindsay. After hearing Dan on another podcast, Heartland 2.0, now the pod, mm -hmm. I had to hear more. And I can say I've been a loyal time sucker, scared to death there, and Dan's comedy listener ever since. Oh, that's nice. Thank that's you. so nice. I didn't know people liked you that much. <laughs> I am Mo the, most don't, well, but some, some people do. I, I get it. I am the epitome of a peeper. I work from home. And that being said, the amount of time I have had to pause the scared to death podcast, look over my shoulder and maybe, you know, walk through my apartment just to make sure nothing is there are too many to count. It probably has not helped with what I'm about to tell you. I'm so sorry, but this is a very long one. And I almost feel like it would be therapeutic for me to get this story out somewhere to other to someone other than my wife. This is very mm -hmm. fresh. I tend to have sleep paralysis. It happens enough that I know when it is happening. I know that something terrifying is about to happen, and I try to deal with it to the best of my ability. The consistent beings that have been with me are one, a little girl, about eight or nine years old, in a ratty dress, who stares at me through her hair and stands in the corner of my room. <laughs> Jesus Christ. She eventually makes her way directly next to me, and right before she touches me, it ends. Two, a Grim Reaper-like figure stands in the corner, eventually points at me, and will eventually float over onto my chest and breathe freezing cold air into my face until I eventually wake up. That being said, I recently had a new being appear, and it has gone a little too far now. I live in Monterey, California, and occasionally need to head to the headquarters of my company in San Francisco. I book a hotel and will stay there for a day or two, then drive home by the end of the work week. I am freaked out, but totally interested by paranormal things. So I'm not one to find the creepy, possibly haunted location to stay at just for mm -hmm. fun. No Darren here. 
<laughs> Last October, I was staying at a double tree and I had a room with two beds. Before going to bed, I could not shake an uncomfortable feeling that I really could not get to the bottom of. I tried to convince myself it was just the stress from work and I eventually fell asleep. I woke up and realized I was having a sleep paralysis episode. The empty bed on my right, I looked at the empty bed on my right and I could see a woman in a dirty wedding dress standing on the bed with her back to me. Slowly, she started to turn her head and I could see through the veil that her jet black hair was ratty and matted to the side of her face. Her skin was pale white with tiny blue veins clearly visible uh. throughout and her eyes were black and her mouth was grotesquely large in an ear-to-ear -ear grin. Immediately, I was terrified. I hadn't ever seen her and I initially was ready for Grimmy or Sarah. Yes, I've named the aforementioned little girl in Grim Reaper. <laughs> I expected them to appear, not this. Slowly, the bride lowered herself onto the bed, almost as if she was bowing, never losing eye contact with me. Then she floated over to the empty bed across the gap between our beds and landed on top of me. The dress moved like it was underwater floating around her and everything felt freezing cold. Slowly, her hands went up to my face. She was just inches from my face, and then that horrible grin widened into a smile, and her teeth looked jagged and sharp and far too large to be human. She didn't speak. She didn't breathe. She didn't laugh. She was completely silent and cold. Her black eyes stared directly into mine like she knew she was going to do something to me, and me, not knowing what it was, brought her even more delight." That's when the sleep paralysis changed. I finally could move my arms. My only thought was to shove her off and try to fight back. When I pushed her off, she floated backwards. I tried to reach out and get her, but she floated just out of my reach. I sat up and stared at her, terrified. She looked back at me, still knowing something I didn't. And then I woke up. I just shrugged it off as a nightmare and thanked every crystal in the world that it was <laughs> not some new sleep paralysis friend that I would have to name. I made it through the week and went back home. But then things got interesting. I woke up early to ex oh, I wake up early to exercise a few times since and I wake up freezing. Yes, I know it's been winter, but the temperature is something that I'm used to and this has been far colder. And seeing something floating in the corner of the room when I wake up. When I look back, whatever it is is gone. I have walked out of my office and our two cats and our dog will be staring at the ceiling. I've even gone up to where they are staring to ensure it's just a bug catching their attention, but I always find nothing. Every so often, I feel something touch my neck when working, and I get a quick gust of really cold air. Also, last week, for no apparent reason, I woke up at 3 a.m., wide awake, and our entire room felt like it was 10 degrees, and I could feel something just to the left of me. I wish I could tell you I was brave enough to turn around and look, but I couldn't bring myself to do it. Finally, I have two framed pictures of my wife on my desk, and every so often when I come into work, they are placed face down on my desk. Ah. Windows in the office and the door are always closed when I finish work for the day, so it cannot be our pets nor a breeze. These things don't happen every day, but they happen enough that I am not okay with it. Maybe two instances per week. Once again, I never had any of these issues prior, prior to seeing the bride in that hotel room. 
I'm not entirely sure what is going on, why all of these things are happening, and it could just be all in my mind. Regardless, I'm terrified of ever seeing this bride again, face to face, and I would really like all these random animalities to stop. Keep up the incredible work. You really make the work week better. Yeah, thank you. And man, yeah, that's a... Yeah, that's an interesting, like, and disturbing thought, you know, it, which, which I guess has been, I mean, I, I've seen it in horror movies sometimes, maybe not in, uh, maybe not one of the stories yet. Yeah. told where something from a nightmare crosses over and shows up in, like, your regular life. Mm-hmm. And like he said, like, he hasn't, like, actually seen this Brian thing, but it's just weird that, like, the picture of him and his wife mm-hmm. would be face down after seeing this angry bride entity in right. his dreams, like the ghost of somebody who... I don't know, died before being married or died shortly after being married. Or so or was, some kind of tragedy around a wedding. Oh, please. I, I I immediately was like, oh, yeah, this woman was left at the altar and then she killed herself. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so now she's mad that Kevin is happy <sighs> and married to his wife and she wants Kevin for herself. Yike. So, Kevin. Mm. Sage. And, and I guess that does play into like other stories we've heard about like attachments. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, like if you're in some place and then that thing shows up in the middle of the night in his dream or whatever, but it like comes, it's like in that physical space in San Francisco in some hotel room. Right. And then attaches itself to him and he brings it back to Monterey, which I, I love Monterey, but both oh, Bay Area, true. the whole Bay Area, but it's like San Francisco love, also love Monterey. We spent mm-hmm. a little weekend vacation there once and such a cool place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was the one trip that you planned. <laughs> I remember. Yeah. I remember very distinctly. Mm-hmm. I was like, we were, it was our last Thanksgiving in LA before moving to Idaho. Mm-hmm. And... I was working on a really hard TV show, really like just exhausted. Not that you weren't, but you had a little bit more. Yeah, you time. had more. You had more stuff. Yeah, work west stuff going on at the time. And and you wanted to go away, and I said fine, but you have to plan the whole fucking thing. I'm not doing any of it because I I mean I know I'm a control freak and I love to plan our stuff. Yeah. So you planned it, and we had fun. Excuse I, me, we did have fun. It was great, and we still like uh, we have these like beautiful blue glass dessert dishes mm-hmm. I bought at an antique mall there. Yeah. It was great. We had Mexican food in bed. I know. I want to have Mexican food in bed now, but like not (laughs) our bed. You know what I mean? I don't want to clean up that mess. (laughs) It was awesome. Hey, Dan, you know what time it is? It's uh, birthday shout out time. Spoopy shout out time. Spoopy shout out time. I mean, it's birthday shout outs, but yes. Okay. We just have a few this week. So hang tight. We have a happy birthday to Angela from Samantha. Happy birthday to Rescinda from John. Happy birthday, Mike from Emily. Happy birthday to Michael from us. Happy birthday to Tristan from your mom, Heather. I love when the moms write in. I don't know why. I just think it's so sweet. We have a happy anniversary to Jared from Molly. Happy anniversary to Jamie from Mark. And happy anniversary to Rick and Jocelyn. 15 years. Oh, congrats. No small feat. Um, Now, I got an email. where Someone was like, oh, can you give a little shout out to Steven from dot, dot, dot. They gave me their name, but I write all of this down on my, on a whiteboard. Mm-hmm. And as I was doing this, I accidentally write wiped oh. the name away. So, and I couldn't find the email. So, Stephen, somebody out there loves you. <laughs> and last but not least, a little love to Drew and Emily from Josie and Christopher, and your new niece or nephew. Surprise! And also, thank you to Drew and Emily for your service. Ah, uh, that's very sweet, all of that. I know. We just told somebody that someone's having a baby. Mm-hmm. A little tiny creepy peepee. <laughs> a little creepy peepee. <laughs> a little creepy peepee. Uh, thanks for all the uh, ratings as well. I know I thank you every week, but we do always mean it. Um, Absolutely. Mm-hmm, it helps so much. 
And and they're generally positive, which is also very, very nice. That is nice. That helps the most. People like us? Some some people like us. That's nice. Thanks, Some people guys. like us. So thanks, Creeps and Peepers, for doing that. I hope you continue to. It definitely helps us find new listeners. And, uh, and the show does seem to uh, still be growing week after week, which we are so excited about. Yay, this is my tiny clap. <laughs> and that's all for today. Thanks for continuing to send in your personal tales of terror to my story at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. Uh, you can email us for everything else at info at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. Thanks to Logan and Kate Keith, the Keith, the Keith, on social media and badmagicmerch.com for merch design, producer Sophie Evans for her help with story curation, Joe Paisley and Zach Flannery for producing, directing, and for custom sound effect creation. Special thanks to Zach Cohen for custom sound bed design, and Heather Rylander for organizing the My Story emails. Uh, please subscribe to Bad Magic Productions on YouTube. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram if you want more content and to see the pictures from each show at Scared to Death Podcast. And we have a private Facebook group, Creeps and Peepers, with over 9,000 members now. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Uh, thanks to Liz Hernandez for moderating those horror lovers. Enjoy your nightmares, Creeps and Peepers. Hope you were scared to death. Bye. If spirits threaten me in this place, fight water by water and fire by fire. Banish their souls into nothingness and remove their powers until the last trace. Let these evil beings flee through time and space. Evil may pass through, but has no home here within scared to death. Pandora makes it easy for you to find your favorite music. Discover new artists and genres by selecting any song or album, and we'll make you a personalized station for free. Download on the Apple App Store or Google Play and enjoy the soundtrack to your life. You ever meet someone who seems kind of off? Whether it's a creepy neighbor or a random phone number that keeps calling you, Truthfinder has you covered. You can search for people by name, address, phone number, email, and more. Truthfinder can be especially helpful for running confidential background checks on anyone you're planning to meet from online dating apps. Go to truthfinder.com slash podcasts for a special offer. That's truthfinder.com slash podcasts to access your special offer today.